Hey, so as we continue our, uh, our study through the book of Romans, revival through Romans, um, we, we hit a section now. He's already talked about Abraham, uh, and uh, Paul's just trying to tell the, the, us really everything there is to know about Christianity in this. And so today, as we hit in the second part of chapter 5, really uh, the, to, all the way through the end of chapter 5, um, we're going to see him bring in the, the, the idea of Adam. And, and the deal here is this, that bottom line is Adam brought death into this world. And we're going to see that. That's kind of, we're going to go through Genesis first, but you're going to see, that's what he says is, man, through Adam, there's death. That's what death, Adam brought death into the world, and that world is here. And every time we do things Adam's way, the ways of the world, there is going to be death. And, and uh, the things don't die instantly, they, they die gradually. But anytime we do it Adam's way, we're over here in death. But Christ paid for our sins, Christ gave us revival, Christ gives us the ability to have life. All right, so you either have life through Christ or you have death through Adam. And when we come into the world, we have death through Adam. That's who we are. You're born a sinner, and sinners sin. That's why we sin, and we'll get more into that later. But the idea is that when you come in the world, you have death through Adam. Everything's dying. Everybody's dying. The whole world's dying, and that's what's going to happen. That's why you need to be born again so you can have life in Christ. But as you're, so what, when you come into the world with death, you give your life to Christ but while you are in this world, with every decision you make, you are either going to be doing it Adam's way, which will result in death, or you're going to be doing it God's way, which results in life. One day, we won't have that battle anymore. One, way, one day, when we go to heaven, all we will have, we lose the flesh, we will not be capable of doing anything Adam's way anymore, and all we will have for eternity is God's way, and that will be life. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to being in that world, because everybody knows this world is dying, and we'll take a look at that. So we don't have to live in that, but as a believer... We are either making a decision to participate in life with Christ or death with Adam. Often, we like to think we're straddling it, don't we? Well, you know what? I have life in Christ, but let me just put my toe over here in the Adam and have a little bit of this. And we think we'll be the exception rule. Any little bit of death. Y'all remember that volcano game y'all played? When you were a kid, it's like you had to jump from place to place, and if you missed it, you landed in the, in the lava, right? What, what burned? What burned? If, you, if your toe went over there, your toe burned, right? Okay, whatever you stick in Adam is going to die. It's going to die. There's going to be consequences, and they don't come immediately. That's why in, in, in um, uh, uh, oh, help me out, in Ecclesiastes, <laughs> he says that because consequences don't come immediately, people continue to sin. If, if maybe if we got hit by a giant fly swatter, the minute we started heading over into the lava of Adam's life, man, maybe at that point we would go, no, Israel didn't, and we wouldn't either. But because consequences don't come immediately, men continue to sin. So you have a choice that you didn't have before you were, before you were born again. You only had a choice to live in Adam's world. That's all you had a choice, and everything died. It was in the process of dying. It's going to die. Hopes, dreams, desires, bodies, plants, everything. It dies. 
And God says, no, man, I got a better world for you that's full of life. Be born again and have my life. And we give our life to Christ, and we're like, yes! And you remember when you first got saved? You remember in times of revival where everything you did was, was in Christ? What does God want me to do now? And we do it. What does God want me to do now? And do it. And we get comfortable in that, don't we? We get comfortable. And then the world entices us. Our flesh entices us in this world. And we start with a toe. And we put a foot. And wow, that's not so bad. Then we go in. But then when everything comes crashing down, when it all comes crashing down, then we come back and we have revival. And today, what Paul's going to tell us in Romans is don't even put a toe into the world. In fact, John, uh, in John, uh, let me put my glass on so I can read this. In John chapter, First uh, John chapter 2, listen to this, man. Um, God put this on my heart, even as we were singing. In John chapter 2, starting in verse, First uh, John chapter 2, starting in verse 15, he says, do not love the world. Period. Don't love this world. Have you reached a point yet where you have lost desires for the things of this world? Where you've just, you really, the things of this world are not appealing to you? That's what revival is. Where you don't want Adam's world. What you want is life in Christ. And again, that's going to be a difficult place to be. Because life in Christ, we've used this illustration before, life in Christ is a, is a smelly jack mullet, man. I mean, a, a, a smelly jack mackerel, right? Here, here's, Eric, what's the smelliest fish you got? What's the fishiest fish you could come up with? Yeah, yeah, jack mackerel, dude. That's been, you know what? Christ, he's represented by the fish. Christ is the most fishy fish there is in this world. Is that what people want to catch? They want to catch the smelly jack mackerel? Is that the fish? Or do they want more fish that smells like chicken? <laughs> they want fish. They'll pay big bucks for fish that taste like chicken when you get chicken for a buck a pound. But they'll put thousands of dollars to catch a fish that tastes like chicken because they want to eat fish, but they want it to not smell fishy. So here's the, here's the analogy. All right, can you all hear me again? So we are... Fit. We, we are fish. Christ is the most fishy fish there is, period. Adam was the most chicken chicken there was in the world. He's the most chickenest chicken there is, and Christ is the fishiest fishing fish there is in the world. You know what I mean? He's like the most potent. And so the more we become like Christ, the more we smell like what? Fish. How many of y'all are repulsed by the smell of fish? All right, so you understand the illustration. The world is repulsed by Christ because the world doesn't like Christ. The more you become like Christ, the more you smell like fish, and the more even the believers, and this is what Paul told Timothy was going to happen, that the believers were not going to put up with fishy fish anymore. They want fish that smells like chicken with just a little bit of smell of fish to it. They want some flounder, you know, someone with no flavor. They've got a stuff to actually make it taste good. I'm just saying, that, and that's what the world does. They take a fish, you know, they, they take their Christianity and they stuff it with some of the world to give it some of that flavor, but yet they got a little bit of fish. So I'm just saying, the more you become like Christ, the more you smell like fish. And the more the world's not going to like it. And he says there's going to be persecution. He says in the end, men will not tolerate fishy fish. They will not tolerate sound doctrine. 
It won't tolerate it anymore. And, and, and they're going to come up with a way to explain it away. And so, so again, so what does the church do? The church, the dead church, the non-living church comes back and they become a fish that smells like a chicken. And it's a compromise. And it's a joke. In fact, if you look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation... Most people believe those are prophecy. They're prophetic of how the church is going to be. And the very last church in there is the church of Laodicea. And it's the church where Jesus is knocking on his door to get back in because they don't want to smell like fish. They want to smell like chicken. Dude, they got Chick-fil-A all over the place here. They smell like Chick-fil-A, and that's God, right? When God is fish, man. They done closed down all the Arthur Treachers, man, and Long John Silvers. Closed them all down because they want Chick-fil-A. That's the world. And Jesus is trying to get into his own church. He's knocking on the door. He said, anybody who wants to let me in, let me in. And, and, and what does he even say? It says he is sick. He's, it's lukewarmness. It's lukewarmness, and it makes him want to what? What's the word? What's he want to do? He wants to vomit because the church is, he's like, no, dude, you smell more like fish. Smell like fish, smell like fish. And they're like, we don't really want to. We want to be a fishy chicken. That's gator meat, y'all. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's bullfrogs eating, eating frog legs. But he wants us to be Jack Mackerel, smoke mullet, dude. Man, I can remember catching mullet and catching bluefish and different stuff. When we used to have mullet runs, I, I, my son, we'd catch bluefish and we'd smoke those. We'd take uh, mullet, catch them in our nets, and we'd smoke them. And my son and I would experiment making fish dip, smoked fish dip. This is when he was at Longwood Elementary School. And he would come to Longwood Elementary with a tub full of fish dip, bro. And when he opened that up in the cafeteria, what did the cafeteria smell like? Woo! They're like, Frederick, put that away. But, but after a little while, man, they were wanting to trade their, their cafeteria feel for his fish tip. That's what's supposed to happen with us as believers, man. They're like, dude, that smoke mullet is pretty good. But you know what's the worst? The worst is, is it chicken or is it fish? <laughs> what is it? You know, it's just blah, and it makes Christ want to puke. That's what he even says in this. So listen, I'm not even preaching on these verses. I got so many verses to preach on, and God gave me this too. So I got to get going here. All right. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. Wherever you're sticking your toe, here's the love of the Father. That's in you, leading you, directing you. This, the love of the Father's not in your big toe. It's not in your foot. It's not in you where you compromise, where, where you put yourself into the world. I don't care what you're doing it in the name of. We're supposed to be fishy fish. Do not love the world or things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in for all that the world is. He said all that, the, that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. He tells us three ways to sin. Uh, any way you sin is three ways. This is what the world does. The, pri the, the desi uh, uh, desires of the flesh, my flesh wants something. You know what? And I can have it because my flesh wants it. I don't care what God says. Well, maybe I do care what God says, so I'm just going to put my big toe in it. I'm just going to put my foot in it. But again, you put yourself in it. You're in it. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That we see stuff, he says, 
And we, and all of a sudden, no, 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 we're going after it because we see it and we know it's wrong. But then that leads to the lust of the flesh. My body wants it. I deserve this. I should have this. And then the pride of life is, I want it because I want it and I can have it because I can have it. And it's all about me. But yet sometimes like we're trying to make it about him and make it about us. You know what he says? There is none. It's either here or it is here. There's no in-between. You can't be a fish that smells like chicken or a chicken that smells like... Dude, what if y'all went to Walmart, man, and you got some chicken that smelled like fish? Woo! I did that one time, man. I couldn't get that smell off my nose. I'm telling you, I smelled like... Woo! And it stuck for days. Man, you're either fish or you're chicken, man. With every decision that you make, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not from the Father. It is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And listen to this. Here's why he says, don't live here. He said, don't even go here. He said, the world is passing away. It's going. That's what we're going to learn when we do get to Romans three hours from now. We're going to learn the world's passing away. The world's gone. This world is dead. Why do you want to put any part of you in this world? When you've got life that's going to last forever and you can invest it all in this. Because the devil is so smart. He set up a world that is in existence right now that feeds our flesh. And when we feed off our flesh instead of off of our spirit, we reap corruption. That's why. Man. He said this world's passing away. Along with its desires. All the desires for the world, they're going away. They're going away. They're going to be gone. Go read Revelation. He, uh, people are going to lose everything who have invested in the world. And they're going to lose everything that they've got invested in the world. Babylon's gone. And the world's passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God, whether it's popular or not, Woo, Terry, you stink. That's why, man, is that why y'all got a seat between y'all? You smell like fish and he likes chicken? Is that where we're going with that? No, I'm just messing with you. No, but isn't that what happens? World don't want you to smell like fish. Oh, you're a fanatic. You're a little extreme. You're a little, but you know what? Good. Because this is what is going to honor Christ. Is doing what Christ said. This is not honoring Christ. And so, man, the world's passing away along with desires, but whoever does the will of God, it abides how long? Forever. That's all extra right there that God put in my heart in this, but it goes with exactly. Oh, we're going to try this again? Okay, you're just going to try to load me up. And if I have two microphones, man, I might be loud enough, huh? All right. So revival through Romans, death through Adam, life through Christ. Oh, and if you got kind of an Adam Christ thing going on, then you got semi-life, right? Is that what he says? Is that what he says in this? Oh, put that one down. Are we good now? Woo, I have a fresh battery. Amen. All right. I don't have to hold that thing. So he says, you make the choice. You make the choice for salvation. You make the choice during sanctification. Glorification, there is no cho choice. You're going to have life eternal through Christ. But while you're here as a believer, you make the choice with every one of your decisions that you make. So we got to go back to see how death came through Adam. All right, look at Jenna, and I'm taking you right to the beginning, because you know what, this is what the world's even trying to do, they're trying to allegorize, 
They're trying to make it a fairy tale, make it a story of Adam. You really believe Adam and Eve? You, Bob, you really believe God took a handful of dirt and he breathed into it and it made man? You guys, how many of y'all believe God took dirt, put his breath in it, and actually made man? Do you, anybody here believe that? Good, because if you don't believe that, you don't believe salvation. That's the point Matt, uh, that Paul's going to make in the book of Romans when we get there two hours and 45 minutes from now. Y'all thought I was joking about three hours, right? But anyways, well, let's see where we go. So look at this. Here's the beginning in Genesis. I skipped Genesis 1. You can go back and read that in the first few verses. But in there it says, when no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Humans weren't around at this point. You can go back to the previous chapter and see a little bit more of the details of the order. Here God's giving an overview of how man fits into it and how Adam kind of, Adam blew it. For all of mankind, did you know you are represented by Adam? But you can, if because you are in representing, because you're, you're dead through Adam, you can be alive through Christ. And that's the good news, we'll see. But no man was there to work the ground yet. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of dust. How many of y'all ladies know we're a bunch of dirt clods? Y'all believe that? <laughs> we're dirt clods. In fact, I had a seminary professor that wrote a book about the first couple chapters of Genesis, and he called it Bony and Clod. Get it? Bony and Clod. That was back when that was kind of funny and cool, and I know it's not anymore. But the, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Hey, you got life in you? You got breath in your nostrils? Go ahead, go. Oh, oh, sorry, you're close to him, aren't you, man? <laughs> Does he smell okay? <laughs> All right, coming in. Who gave you that breath? He gave it to you, man. He's given you the next. What happens if you don't get another one? Dude, you die. And is there going to be a time in your life where you're not going to have another breath come through your nostrils? Absolutely. That's what came with Adam is death, and we'll see that. But here, God breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and the man became a living creature. There's a testimony to God. Uh, Marley, you, can, you, can you sculpt some things? Could you make something out of some clay? No, come on, man. You, but Abby, could you make something out of clay? A little, yeah, you're a little more artistic than Marley at this point. At least you're confident in it, right? You know? But could you breathe in it and give it life? No. How powerful? Is there anyone who could breathe in it and give it life? Other than God Almighty. So, so, man, when God Almighty says, I want to breathe into you and give you life, and as a believer, come, be in my side. Over, why would you come over here? Why would, is that why God gave you breath? Is that why God gave you that snort out of your nostrils so you could come over here and live in the world? No. Especially when it's going to hinder that. There's going to be consequences. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. That's only thing, God is the only one who can give life, and he can take it away. And God made the rules. We're going to see that here in a minute. But he said, man became a living creature, and man's the only one who was created in God's image. That word image is the word icon, okay? If, if you see a swish, if you see a swish on a pair of shoes, that's an icon. What, what, what kind of shoes are those, y'all? Yeah, if you see three stripes on the side of a shoe, what is that? 
Yeah, that's it. It, it, it. Because, dude, that that's what it is. That's the icon that represents it. So when you see man, if he's the icon of God, what should you see when you see man? You should see God. But you see, Adam messed all that up. And so when we're born into this world as sinners, we are not the icon of God. We have the potential to be the icon of God. But we're not going to be the icon of God until we're born again. When we're born again, now we have the ability to be the icon of God and the desire to. But we have to stay here in our choices and stay out of the world because every time we go in the world, we are not the icon of God. If God wouldn't be there, if God wouldn't be doing that, and guess what? God lives in you. You know Joe Dirt, man? Anybody remember Joe Dirt? <laughs> what does mom always say? Is that where you want to be when Jesus comes back? <laughs> it's like, like you're going to get caught doing something, right? Guess where? If you're a believer, he lives inside of you. He's already there. You're taking him where you're taking him. He's going where you're going. He's doing what you're doing. That should create holiness in us, the omnipresence of God Almighty. Then the Lord God formed him. He became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed. If God plants a garden, Gary, what kind of garden is it going to be? Oh, it's going to be an awesome garden. It's going to be a perfect garden, and that's what it was. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. How many of y'all glad, man, those trees, you could eat the food. That was food on them trees. And, and, and you're even going to see the tree of life in heaven will be eating the leaves, and it will give us life-giving life, 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 uh, characteristics. Well, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But out of the ground, Lord God made spring up every tree of ple- that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life, look at this. This is the one that now is in heaven that we see in the last chapter of Revelation. The tree of life at that time was in the middle of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what do we know from about the tree of life in the book of Revelation? You know what we know? We know that it's huge. We know it's a centerpiece for God. We know that it has fruit that produces every month. And we know that it has leaves for healing. And in heaven, there's nothing that's going to be destroyed. So what this word healing means, it has life-giving capabilities. Can you imagine being perfect and eating leaves that make you even more perfect? Can you imagine the things? It does not, you do nothing but get better. And, and, and in this, this tree of eternal life, when you eat of these, it sustains you so that you can live for how long? Forever. It, you, it, it, it sustains you to live forever. That's what was supposed to happen in the garden. Adam was supposed to be immortal. He was not supposed to die. He was supposed to be the tree of life that we will have in heaven. He could have been eating off that the whole time. And in fact, when it says in a minute, we'll see, he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden, right? Every tree, except what tree? The knowledge of good and evil. So could he be eating off of the the tree of, of, of life? Yes. He was supposed to be immortal, supposed to live forever. I don't know what the rest of God's plan was as far as procreation and all that at that point, but I know at that point he was supposed to be immortal in a relationship with the living God. And so in there it says the tree was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the other tree. The tree that now would allow you to look at someone. You would look at something and see both good and evil in it. Hey, what's easier to see, good or evil, y'all? 
Yeah. And, and what could Adam see before he ate off the tree? Could he see good? But he couldn't see what? So eating off the tree, look what the devil sold him. Dude, you'll be able to see evil. Huh. But he didn't sell it that way, did he? Most of the time when we get sin sold to us, it's not sold that way. The devil's a good salesman. You, oh, you're going to, he said instead, you're going to be like God, right? He could already see good. How many of y'all wish you could only see good in something? How many wish that you could, I mean, would that not be awesome if that's all? You try hard, don't you? But as hard as you try to see good, do you ever see some bad? Oh my goodness, it overwhelms us, doesn't it, Chuck? We try to see good, but then the, oh, that creeped. Without him eating off of that, God never wanted to see the evil. He didn't qualify to make a choice between good and evil and he didn't want to have to choose he wanted to see something and say here's the god-given purpose of why god made it and we use it for that reason and bam we have success how many of y'all ever seen god people use things that god has made for the wrong reason yeah that's over here that's in the world where we take god-given things and we use them for the wrong purpose and it creates death that's what we're going to see in this. So those two trees were there. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first was Pishon. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Just I'm acting like I own it. Pishon. And, 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 and uh, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Hibbalah and where there is gold. So dude, think about that. You got a river. There's gold everywhere. And, and then the gold uh, uh, in that land is good. Bellium and onyx stones were there. Man, what a beautiful place we're looking at. The name of the second river is Gihon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. Huge, beautiful river, not polluted. Uh, can you imagine, Katie? Can you imagine beautiful rivers that have never been polluted, never been touched by mankind, and they were flowing with nothing but God's goodness? That's what Adam was paddling through, my sister. That's what he was surfing in, Chuck. He was, he was in this beautiful world that we have that God gave him. And, and so it flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? Yeah. Guess what? Work is not a dirty word. Work is God's purpose for your life. And, and again, uh, and, and, and so who gave you the purpose to work? God. So every bit of work you do, why do you work? Why do you work? What is, your pur what is your purpose supposed to be for working? To do what? Is it to pad your bank account? Is it to make sure you'll be able to retire okay? Is it to make sure, and again, I'm, not, I'm just saying, what is your main purpose? Your primary purpose for working is to what? Is to please God, to glorify Him. Think we've got that a little out of balance of why we work? How about our goals? We set goals for our work, don't we? We set goals for things. Maybe God's got you here today to reset your goal. Maybe realize again, your number one goal for what you do in this world is to please God. And from there, he rains down everything you need to be able to do it. Because if we've got the wrong priorities in line, we will reap the wrong consequence. And we will find ourselves in this dying world that Adam has. Why do you think people have midlife crises? Anybody here ever had a midlife crisis? I'm not going to ask you to explain it. I've been as a pastor 30 years. I've been, I've seen plenty of midlife crises. And you know what it is? Somebody who has busted their butt and sacrificed everything they could sacrifice. And they get to a point and go, 
What for? What does it even matter? Dude, I even achieved the goal. I want. What does it matter? Because it was the chief purpose of man is to please God and enjoy, is to enjoy God. Do you understand we're going to work in heaven? In heaven, we are going to work, but it's going to be perfect work. When we work in heaven, we are going to have perfect bodies. We're going to have a perfect job. He's going to have perfect situations set up. Everything we do. Have, how many of you have ever had everything work out perfect for a job? Anybody had one job where every, Chris, you build those big old beautiful tower stuff. Chuck, you build, sir. Have you ever had a perfect one? No. Can you imagine if you had one perfect one, what would you do? Oh, I'm dying right now. I'm going to heaven. In heaven, every job you do is going to be what? What's the P word, y'all? Perfect. You're going to accomplish it perfect. You're going to be set up perfectly. And when you accomplish a perfect job, Abby, you get a good wave. You ever said, I'm going in on the next wave? And it's an epic wave, wave of the day. Woohoo! Are you like going in? After that, even though you said it's the last wave of the day and you got responsibilities and all of that, you got to, Marley, what do you, no, what are you going to do? When you get a perfect wave, Eric, what are you going to do? You're paddling back out until at least you don't get a perfect wave. You're like, yeah, I should have gone in on that wave, right? Can you imagine heaven, one perfect job after the other, perfection, 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 and work. We're like, whoa, I did it right. God gave me the ability to write. Everything came up. God, can I have another one of these perfect jobs? Instead of like over here in this world, we're beating our heads against the wall. Our jobs aren't perfect. And because so often we're living here instead of here where God wants to do something supernatural. In heaven, it's all supernatural. It's going to be perfect. Man, can you imagine what it's going to be like? You're going to be coming back to God. Oh, give me another job. Give me another. Is that what you're saying to your boss now when you finish a really hard job? All right, give me another. No, give me another. Give me one tougher than the last one. Dude, with God, like, give me one more complicated because I can't wait to see you do it through me because we live over here in the world. That's where our goals are. That's where our, our, our scenarios are often. That's a potential. That's where we're at. He said, don't love the world, the things of the world, man. Look, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. And he gave him everything he needed to be able to do that perfectly. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat. How many of y'all besides me would love to have that command? You may surely eat. <laughs> yeah, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, including how many of y'all right now? would love to take a leave off the tree of life and have health. Uh, Stephen, your body hurt, bro. You've had more surgeries than anyone I know in the last year, dude. And it's just like, I'm just saying, every one of us, we'd love. In fact, that's what the world, isn't that what the world offers us? Isn't that what they offer us? Oh, here's the solution there. No, the solution is in heaven with the tree of life. When we take a leave off that tree and it just makes us better and we're already perfect. I don't know how that works, but that's what it says it does. Man, you can eat of every tree in the garden. Everything. But. <laughs> Y'all like God's butts? You eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge and of good and evil you shall not eat. Why? Why? Why would God not want us to eat of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil? 
Why would God not want us to do anything? Sean, why would God not want us to do anything that God doesn't want us to do? Why? For our own good. Yeah. Can, can I get you and Ethan to come up? I promise it's not going to do anything that Julie would be embarrassed about or anything. So, Ethan, man, here's what I want you to do. I want you to kind of lift up the speaker. Oh, we can't do that, can we? Can we play with any of these speakers? No. All right, Ethan. Uh, okay, e Ethan, this speaker right here, if I were to ask you to carry it up and down the stairs three or four times, if you really wanted to carry it three or four times, what would your dad probably tell you? Like, Dad, I want to carry this speaker. If we're breaking down at the end and you're like, oh, I want to carry this. I want to carry the TV. I want to carry the TV. How about the TV? Okay, we'll do that because we can replace that, right? Easy. But I want to carry the TV as it is all the way down the stairs. If you were to ask, or let's say you ask JJ, can I carry the TV downstairs? JJ, what would you tell him? No. You tell him no. Why would you tell him? Help me out with this. Why would you tell him no? He's too young to carry it. He's not equipped to carry it. He doesn't have enough experience to carry it. He's a young man. He might learn from carrying it, but learn from his mistake, right? At the cost of the mistake, but he's not equipped to carry it. But do you let somebody carry it? Would you let Sean carry that TV down the stairs? <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Right. There you go. Not. Yeah. But he's more experienced. He's stronger. He can understand. He's ready to carry it. <laughs> you just messed my whole illustration. Go sit down. No. I'm going to go back to Corey. Here, here's the thing. Okay, Corey and Tim Boom. How many of y'all know Corey Tim Boom? Her, uh, her grandfather. She used to ride on the bus with her grandfather. And he, he was a watchmaker, and he had this giant case. You've probably seen it on Facebook. It's been there a bunch of times. And, and uh, had this giant case that he carried around, and she was a little girl. And she was asking one day, Papa, can you tell me about sex? <laughs> tell me about sex. And she's like, instead of just saying, no, you're too young, whatever, what he, what he said to her, hey, w would you carry this big case for me? And, and she's like, oh, no, I can't. It's too big for me. I, I could lug it around, I could do that, but I can't carry it. It's too big for me. And he said, some things in life are too big for you, and when you get bigger, you'll be able to handle them. And that's the point I'm trying to make about this. You know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know what, you're not big enough to handle evil. You're not strong enough to handle evil. You were never intended to handle evil. It was something that, how, how are you going to let Sean carry that, Chester? With what? Yeah, it's something God had to carry. Not you. You were never intended to carry evil, to have to make a decision. How many of you have ever made a bad decision about good and evil? How many of y'all ever took something bad and said, ooh, that's good. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. How many times have you done that? <laughs> you done it, how many of y'all did it more than once? How, two or three times, right? And, and, and then you even knew it was and you did it again, right? Dude, that's the wages of sin. Sin is doing the wrong thing. The wages, what you earn by doing the wrong thing is death. Something dies as opposed to just unashamedly, without any hindrance, doing it the way God wants you to do it. And when you do it God's way, it works. But in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of that. 
You're going to make a lot of bad decisions. How many bad decisions do you think have been made in the universe since Adam and Eve? And you wonder why the world even knows the world's messed up? In Romans, we're going to learn later that the earth is groaning to be put back to the garden because man has so messed things up. And that's what heaven is, is really going to be almost like that garden. There's a lot of similarities to the perfect garden, only we're going to be perfect, not just innocent like Adam was. In the day you eat of it, what does God say? For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. Who said that? What if you think you're the exception to the rule? <laughs> you know, you're going to... And let me ask a question. As soon as they eat, ate it, was it like, you know, poison the like, Is that what happened? No. There's a lot of definitions to death. You will die. He said, you will die. So instead of being immortal now in your life, you will what? Just like, and, and how many here are going to die? How many, uh, how many of y'all think you're going to die? One day, yeah. In fact, I can say it because Amy's, Amy's here, but Tom's not. Tom would be embarrassed if I told him, but Tom taught me one of the greatest lessons in my life when we were having Bible study over there at, uh, not Wormwood, what's the name of the place? Buttonwood, yeah. We're over there, Buttonwood, man. And I remember one time trying to make a really cool point, like, oh, hey, if you thought you were going to die tonight, what would you do in the next few hours? And, and, you know, what would be different? And Tom spoke up and he said, well, pastor, we're all dying at different speeds. He rocked my world with that. He has no idea what he's done. We are all dying at different speeds. So the point is, if you knew it was going to happen tonight and you were going to do something, do it now. Live for him now. Do all those things now. But the fact is, we're all dying. When somebody has a baby, how many, how many of y'all ever had a baby and said, oh, this baby's going to last forever? No. And, and man, seeking immortality, isn't that what the elites or whatever you want to call these people are trying to do? They're trying to create immortality for themselves right now? They are. Man, you want to look up something kind of crazy? Go look up transhumanism and then make me a tinfoil hat. Go ahead. <laughs> but guess what? In a few years, you'll be looking like, oh, yeah, I guess. They're trying to create immortality, even if they have to be part machine and part... Wait a minute, you've watched too many Transformer movies. No, they're preparing us for the future. Hollywood's always been doing it. But... This is preparing us for the real future right here. Man, he said, in the day you eat of it, you will what? Die. That's how I can tell you, and that's what Paul's talking about, that when you do it Adam's way, you're going to die. You are destined to die. Everything in this world's going to die. Boy, isn't that good news? No. That's why we have the good news, which means when you, do, you get in Christ and you're born again and you do it Christ's way, you live. How many of y'all want to live on the live side Anybody want to live on the live side? How many of y'all want to die on the die side? No. We don't want to. So we got to quit living there. Look at this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. All right? Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So on purpose, just to prove he needs a helper. Just to prove he needs a helper, God brought him all the male and female animals, and he's like, at the end, dang, where's my helper? <laughs> where's my heifer if he was a bull? I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't mean disrespect, but I'm just saying he's looking at a male elephant and got a female elephant. Male monkey, got a female monkey. 
You know, a male Skylar, he's got a female Emily, all right? There's a helper. What's your job, Emily? A helper, right. And does Skylar need you? Yes, he does need you. Yeah, dude, look at this. This is what the Bible says. It, it, he needs you. If both of you are the same, one of you ain't necessary. He's putting two together to become one. So, man, uh, he says, God formed every beast of the field and every bird of heaven and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found one for him. <laughs> he didn't have a helper. Man, he didn't have a helper. And uh, man, so God had to fix that. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought it to the man. How many of y'all believe that? Do you really believe God took a rib and made Eve out of it? Y'all believe that? That's cool because that's the truth. It's the truth. Y'all think there's people in the world don't believe that? It's fairy tale. But if you don't believe that, you don't believe salvation, which is what we're going to see in Romans. You got to believe this to be able to believe salvation. Why did he take him from the rib, man? Why did he take her from the rib? Where's your rib? Why did he take it from the head or the foot? He took it from the rib, so what? They can walk alongside each other. They could help each other out. But he did put man in charge. And she does need to submit. And submit means to basically to fall in line under the mission that God gave them. Not the, not the mission that the man thinks he's had, but the mission that God has given both of them. And both of them have to submit. And he's even got a greater submission. We talked about that before. So God took the rib. The Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. <laughs> you know what? He woke up and he saw her because he woke up sad and lonely, right? And he woke up and God's like, hey, what'd you think of my world now? And he looked up and he saw her, like Chris on every, whoa, man. <laughs> whoa, how many of y'all say, whoa? Turn to your wife and just say, whoa, man. <laughs> you, I know y'all are too cool to do that right now, but I'm just saying, surprise them a little bit later. Just go, whoa, man, this is great. <laughs> this is awesome, whoa. Because she was taken out of man. So that's how God created them. Therefore, a man... Listen to this, Emily and Skylar. Here it is. Man, when Ben says at that wedding, he'll be right there and he'll say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? I will say her mother and I, and I will hand you off over to Skylar. It said, look at this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. You leave, you cleave, you weave. It doesn't mean you ditch them. It doesn't mean you don't respect them, but you're now, priority is to Skylar as your authority and not me. And I'm just saying I'm your authority because that's who God put as your authority. And what you do with that authority is totally up to you, and you'll answer to him on that. And if you don't believe that because you think it's sexist and all this, probably racist too, I don't know. But I'm just saying whatever, man, you think it is, it doesn't matter because God says that as your father, I am your authority. And he's holding me accountable as to what I do in your life. But the moment I hand you off, whether you want it or not, Skylar. No, I'm just joking. 
You ain't just getting a woman there and it's like, yeah, you know, here, pastor, you take. No, she's your, your, her authority. You're her authority. And you want to do it over here. Adam's way, it's going to die. That's why marriages die. That's why relationships die. That's why work dies. You want to be the godly authority and you want to do it God's way. It will live and it will thrive. That's a big responsibility, brother. Are you willing to take on that responsibility? I'm asking for God and everybody right here to do it God's way. Yeah, because I'm, I've had responsibility. How, how old are you now? 25? Yeah. 24? You're going to be 25 by the time we do this? No, 24? I know when your birthday is. <laughs> I've had that responsibility this whole time. But according to Scripture, I'm turning that over. I have no authority over you. Up until that time, I do, and I got to do what God tells me to do. But, but after that, I'm not saying I'm done, I'm ditching you, boom, you're his, and whatever. I'm there if you need me, but your main priority is the relationship you two have. More important than the relationship you have with your parents. You got to figure your way of doing things. That's what he says. That the man shall leave his father and mother. Did Adam and Eve even have a father and mother at that point? No, that's what he said. You're going to leave your father and mother and hold fast to your wife. You're going to leave, you're going to cleave, and you're going to spend your whole life weaving together as two become one. That's what marriage is. And he says, and they shall become, how many flesh? One flesh. You know what I see in some marriages? You know what I see when people get married often? Is I, is I, see, is I see, it's like a four-wheel drive going out into the mud. Dude, when you got two tracks, man, and, and, and productive people, one going down this way and one doing their own life, and they get married, and the two never become one. The two stay as individuals doing their own thing for the sake of whatever, and they got two ruts, two ruts. Chris, what happens when you keep going in that rut? If you keep going down the same rut, what's going to happen to the rut? It gets deeper, and before long, dude, you're... Your differentials and your transfer case is going to dig in and you're going to have to get yanked out. That's what I do in marriage counseling. And then what? You go back down the same rut again, you're going to get the same thing. Dude, two become one. You don't have two wheels no more when you get married. You got one. You are a steamroller. <laughs> Look at your wife, man. Just come on. You always have to say, we are a steamroller. Woo, you're a steamroller, man. That's what I'm saying. You're not too rut, you're a steamroller, dude. And, and you ain't got to worry about different. I don't care how deep that rut gets. That's what it means when two become one. Two don't stay two, two become one. That's what marriage is about. And that's what he says right here. And I ain't even preaching on that today. Let me get back to what I'm preaching on. And the man and his wife were both naked and they weren't what? They weren't ashamed. <laughs> you know why? Why were they not ashamed? Because what could they see good? Could they see evil? So, dude, can you imagine looking at your naked self? And I mean, I'm talking to everybody over 30, whatever. 20 now, but I'm just saying, can you imagine looking at your naked self in a mirror and not seeing anything wrong? <laughs> I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, we find fault in everything. It says here, the man and his wife were both naked, and dude, it was good. We were not ashamed. There was nothing to be ashamed of because they didn't even know about anything being wrong. Dude, what's that extra jelly roll you got there? Oh, that's where I had my... No, I'm just like, <laughs> it's good. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't have to be like a magazine. It doesn't have to be like that model on the thing. You look at it, it's good. That's all they were supposed to see was good before the fall. And that's why they weren't ashamed. God didn't put clothes on them. They were maybe clothed in light. We'll talk about that in a minute. So moving on to Genesis 3, it says now. So here it is. God's got them in a perfect place. They're naked and they're not ashamed. They're just like free. They're just whatever. No problem on any of this before the fall. Now, what's the devil going to do when he sees a perfect world? What's the devil going to do to you when he sees you walking in the spirit? What's he going to do when he sees you having revival? Same thing he did here. Now, the serpent, which we know is the devil, was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. That doesn't mean that the snake was always that. Satan came and put himself in the snake in that form. Satan can come in many forms. He comes in a lot of forms. It's not the little, you know, fork tail and horns and pitchfork thing. He comes in a lot of forms. And you know how you know when he's there? Because he's opposite of what God's word says. He's opposite and he's subtle. He's sneaky. You know, it may not be like, whoa, come on. No, no, no. You know what it is? Hey, here's what God wants. But mm, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Anytime you have to compromise God's word, you know Satan's involved. Satan's involved. We don't want to say that, but Satan's involved. Serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, huh, what did he challenge right off the bat? Look what he said. Did God actually say? Hmm. You ever had something like You know what God's word says. You know what God's word says. You have convictions about God's word. But all of a sudden you're like, is that really what God meant? <laughs> you know... Hey, look, I'm over here and it's okay right now. I can get over here anytime I want. You know what? This is okay. This is all right. Did God actually say you can't really eat of any tree in the garden? In fact, what did God say? If you eat, you are going to what? Die, period. Watch how this whole thing works. Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? What's, what would you answer at this point? Yes, in your Sally Sunday School and Billy Biblehead answer, you'd be sitting there saying, yes, God said you'll die. But when it's Satan tempting you with something that is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, something you know is wrong that you know that God doesn't want you to do, but you want to do, what do we start doing? We start justifying. And if God, Satan puts people in our life to help us justify, and we become more influenced than we are an influence to get people back over here, guess what? We end up like Eve, and we have consequences. Now, serpent was more crafty than other, uh, any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said, woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Listen to her answer. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. We can eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. You know, what does she forget in this? Again, I'm nitpicking here, but what does she forget? We can eat fruit of the garden. How, how would it be? Well, okay, that's the negative side. On the positive side, what fruit of the garden can you eat? All of it. But isn't that how Satan kind of, we can eat all of it. We have all of this in our abundant life. But when Satan starts working, all of a sudden, all of this becomes, yeah, we can eat some of the fruit. 
We start looking more at what we can't do than what we can do. We start shrinking what God has said. God said, you can eat it all except this little one. And so instead of, no, Satan, God said we can eat it all. It, she's like, yeah, we can eat some fruit. We can eat the fruit of the garden. Is that as exciting as all the fruit of the garden? No. But that's how Satan gets working in us. We start limiting what God really said. Woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, look at this, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Did she even define what the tree was? What was the tree? The, the tree of the knowledge of what? But to her now, it's what? Just a tree in the middle of the garden. <laughs> She wasn't even looking because if she could have probably said to herself the truth that this is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it might have clicked that, wow, why would I want to know evil? <laughs> but instead, oh, just fruit, you know, yeah, you, you can't just eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. The one, that tree in the middle, I don't even know what it's for, not even sure, but he said we can't have that one. Do you see how subtle Satan is working to eliminate what God said and get you to justify coming over here? You should not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall we touch it. Where'd she even get that from? <laughs> is that what God told Adam? Now, let me ask you a question. Did God talk to Adam or did he talk to Eve? He talked to Adam. That's why Adam is the one who represents our whole society and has taken us down to death that we have to be born again to escape. Adam's responsible. Here you go, Skylar. Who's God going to hold accountable for y'all's marriage and spirituality in there? He's holding you. He's holding me and mine. Sean, you and yours. And I could go around. He's holding us accountable. He talked to Adam. And whatever Adam told her, maybe Adam didn't even tell her the name of it. Maybe Adam was vague. Maybe like, oh, hey, yeah, honey, just don't eat of that tree. Maybe if he had explained, dude, this is what it's going to do. It's going to mess us up. Maybe she would have had more ammo. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. She's guilty of being deceived, but Adam was the one guilty of violating God. She said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, because that's what Adam told her. Neither shall you touch it. Where did they even get that from? God didn't say, lest you die. Hey, what's the difference between you're going to die and lest you die? You, you might die. What's the difference between, hey, so you, you might die. You're going to die. <laughs> If you can just go, well, I might, if, if I touch it and I eat it, I, I might die. But if I might die, what might I not do? I might not die. Ooh, where'd she get that from? Again, was God that vague when he gave those directions? No, he said, you're going to die if you eat this. That's the consequences. But you see how Satan waters things down. We can't be deceived. And the word of God opens up the truth. And it's got to overrule our feelings. It's got to overrule our emotions. It's got to overrule our desires. It's got to overrule our thoughts. When the Word of God says no, it's no. When God says yes, it's yes. And here it was just flat out no. Well, we're not supposed to eat the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. Yeah, I'm not real sure what that tree does. But we're not supposed to eat of that. Oh, you don't know what that does? Oh, let me tell you. That's what Satan does next. Neither shall you touch it lest... We might die if we eat it, all right? But, but I might not die. That's how the Hebrew actually reads in this. But the serpent said to her, like, what did the serpent say? Y'all read that. What? What did God say? 
You will surely die. What did the serpent say? You will surely not die. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. How good is he at lying? And how bad are we at falling for it? When we violate the Word of God and when we justify compromises in the Word of God, how bad are we at falling for what he's got to say? Again, you have a choice. You can live in Adam's side, which is the death side, or you can live in God's side, which is the living side. And that's going to be forever. But for some reason, I think we want to kind of, we kind of want to switch sides. Not too bad. And we all have our little area, how far we're going to go in there. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Totally contradicted God. You know what? Here's the thing. You don't even know what this tree is for, do you, woman? Even, your, your husband wasn't that, he didn't care that much about your spirituality to actually teach the word of God to you and, and tell you what God was going, what God had said in this. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes are going to be opened. Hey, having your eyes opened, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Normally. It could be both, right? I know, that's why I asked you, because you're a smart girl. You're like, well, it could be good, it could be bad. Having your eyes, you're, 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 you're rowing it, and, and all of a sudden, I'm just, I can't think of an illustration. But man, would, you, would it be good to have your eyes open if somebody was throwing a vat of acid at you? No, if you had a vat of acid thrown at you and somebody's now throwing water solution to clean out, that's good, right? But so it sounds like, yeah, your eyes are going to be open. Let me ask you a question. Their eyes being opened right now, is that a vat of acid or is it cleansing water? Your eyes getting open here is getting to be like a vat of acid. He said, oh, your eyes are going to be open. Well, what's going to be thrown in them? That's an important thing to figure out, right? And you will be what? Like God knowing good and evil. Why did Satan get kicked out of heaven, y'all? For trying to be like God. You can go look it up in Isaiah. He was Lucifer, the angel of light. He was in charge of the music ministry, we're kind of told. He was Lucifer. He took the glory that was given to God, and he was supposed to reflect it back to God. But he started getting all that glory and reflecting it back to God, thinking, hey, I think I want a little bit of this. I want to live. He wanted to be like God, and God said, I'm not sharing my glory with anybody. He kicked him out of heaven. And he took a third of the angels with him. You can find that in the book of Isaiah. That's what he did. So what's he going to tempt them with? Oh, you'll be like God. You can call the shots on this one. <laughs> you call the shots. He ever tempted you that way to call the shots? But you've got to justify him enough to be able to call the shots against God and be okay with it. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. You'll know good and evil. What did they already know, Gary? Good. Do you really want to? Are you glad? Are you so stoked that they ate off that tree and you now can find evil? <laughs> yeah. No. That's all they gained was evil. That's it. But how many of you ever bought something after you bought it? You're like, oh, this was stupid. Any of y'all ever had buyer's remorse? That's what they had, ultimate buyer. Dude, I already knew what was good. I don't want to. Wait a minute. I didn't think this through. Because that's what a good salesman does, isn't it? They get to your emotions, get to your thought. They transfer. And all of a sudden, you're getting sucked into something that once you get it, you don't even want it. Because you see the trouble it caused. 
You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, oh, lust of the eyes, lust, uh, lust of the flesh, pride of life, here it is. When she saw the tree was good for food, that's lust of the flesh. I need this. Hey, let me ask you a question. Can you see that it's good for food? Can you really, hey, bro, Jimmy, right? Jimmy, can you look and say, ooh, that's good. Are you always right? How about on grandma? Remember when grandma used to have them wax fruit bowls on her thing, you know? They look good, bro, man. It was like, you bite into one of those, ooh, that ain't so good. Now, we can usually see if it's bad, all right? But look what, how bad he tricked her. She saw that it was good for food. She ain't never tasted it before, but that's how deceptive he is. I, it's good. I saw that it was good for food. My body needs it, even though God said no. It was a delight to the eyes. Dude, it looks good. How could this be bad? And the tree was desired to make one wise. Now, you know what? I can call some of my own shots. That's the pride of life. She took the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Let me ask you a question. This is a speculative question. Why do you think he ate? <laughs> what are some reasons he ate? She gave him fruit. He already knew from God, right? He knew from God that, what, what should he do, Eric? Your wife gave you some of this fruit. God said, no, what should you do? No, you got to be man enough to stand against your help meet and say, no, this is not what God wants us to do. How many of y'all would just raise your pinky and say, that's hard? <laughs> yeah, but how many of y'all know you got to be man enough to do that? And he wasn't. He wasn't. That's why God holds him accountable, because he knew. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. He's the one that God spoke to and said, don't eat of this stuff. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked. And they, what did they do? The minute they knew they were naked, what did they do? Try to make themselves some bathing suits. And you know what? They even tried to put a little bit of punishment in with that. Evidently, fig leaves. Are, Abby, do you have it? You, you have a, a, a bathing suit kind of company and all that. Surfwear, bathing suit. By the way. If you ever need any of that, see Abby right here. And, but did you make some out of fig leaves yet? No, dude, check them out. I hear that they're kind of, they would be for your masochistic customers. I hear they've got little fine prickly thorns on the inside, so... Why, why, would as, why would as a justification to fix this, why would they put a little pain into it? Because, oh, I have to suffer for my sin a little bit. I'm going to suffer. Oh, that's good enough. And God said, oh, no, that ain't good enough. We try to create our own, uh, our own situations here. But yeah, they made it out of fig leaves, which I understand would be quite uncomfortable as a bathing suit. You'll have to let me know. Check that out with your seamstresses and stuff, all right? And... Uh, then the eyes of both were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. Woo, we fixed it. All right, God's cool with all of that. They heard the sound, uh, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And among the trees of the garden, they hid themselves. And that's what we do when we sin. We if we aren't going to repent and come clean, if we're not ready to do that, we hide ourselves from God. And that's what they did. They hid themselves from God in that because they didn't want to quite get it right. They were embarrassed. They were shamed, all these different things. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Hey, and did God know where Adam was? Yeah. Why does he ever ask us questions? Where are you? Why would he ask Tom, where are you? 
Is it because he doesn't know where you are or you don't know where you are? It's because you don't know where you are. And if you are, he wants you to admit where you are because that's the first step in repentance. Amen? So the Lord God called the man and said, and where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Well, there he starts answering the questions. And I hid myself. Would he have ever done that before this? No. I was afraid. I was naked. So I hid myself. That's not what God wants in a relationship. But that's what unconfessed sin does. He said, who told you you were naked? Again, did God know the answer to that? <laughs> yeah, they, his conscience told him he was naked. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Bob, again, who was that question for? Was it for God or was it for Adam? It was for Adam. When God's asking you questions, take note, because he's trying to have mercy. He's trying to get you the point of repentance without having to break a stick over your head. Amen. The man said, the woman who you gave, <laughs> oh, you like that? <laughs> hey, Sean, how did you know you were naked? How did you know? How, why were you afraid? Why you, did you eat of that fruit? <laughs> well, Julia, who you gave me. <laughs> <clears throat> Whose fault is he blaming on now? Uh, uh, no, not even Julia, on God. God gave you Julia. We'll get to her later. <laughs> He's the third one down who's guilty now. God, that woman, she, it's her fault, and you gave her to me, so I put myself down way on the list of, 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 of the guilty party here. So yeah, God, the, the woman you gave me, yeah, he, that, that's, why, that's why this happened. She gave me the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? So he said to the woman, Julia, what, what, what'd you do? And Julia says, well, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So again, did, did Sean or Julia each say, I messed up. Please forgive me. Please have mercy. No. They put the blame. They extended it on. Aren't you glad you don't do that? Man, aren't you glad we've come way farther? We've evolved and we don't do that anymore? The Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock. It wasn't cursed before. Cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity or an enemy between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. This is Christ. He shall bruise, King James says, he will crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. And that's what Christ did on the cross. That was a picture. They got kicked out of the garden and they're thinking, later they're thinking they're getting back in the garden when she has a kid and that this kid is going to basically kick the serpent's tail and they're going to get back in the garden. But yet it was prophesying what Jesus would do many, many years later. In fact, the first kid, when they had their first kid, what did they name their first kid? Y'all remember? What's that? Cain. They named him Cain. And you know what the name Cain means? Cain means, woohoo! I have acquired from the Lord, because they thought he was getting them back in the garden. And then they didn't get back in the garden. And she went through some intense pain to have them babies. How many of y'all women would testify you go through intense pain to have babies? That, that itself proves the Bible's true, right? All right? And so she went through intense pain, had the second one. And you know what she named him? What she named him? Is there anybody here named Abel? I don't want to hurt your feelings or nothing, but the original Hebrew word Abel, the way it was translated at that point, meant worthless. 
first kid she had, I have acquired from the Lord, and now he's getting us back in the garden. The second one she had, I went through all this pain, he's not getting us the garden. This is worthless. Why am I having kids? <clears throat> so man, here's a prophecy what Christ is going to do. And this is what we get into in Romans that we aren't probably going to get into today. <laughs> How many of y'all are glad we're not going to get into that today? <laughs> You've been drinking with a fire hose. You got anybody, Chuck, do you have enough to digest if we just ended it? You got enough to digest now? All right, Chuck's got enough. We got, but, but we're going to finish this Genesis part. <clears throat> so he says, I'm going to put an enemy between you and the woman, between your offspring and her seed, which is talking about the virgin birth. It's not in this, but in the original language, that's what it is. It's not offspring, it's seed, which women don't have seed, and it's talking about the virgin birth. He shall crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. And that's what Christ was going to do on the cross to Satan, which when we do get to Romans, I didn't say the three and a half hours had to be continuous, did I? We can take a week between the three hours, right? (laughs) And uh, when we get to it, you'll see that's what Christ did. He gave us life, Adam gave us death. So to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you'll bring forth children. Anybody can testify to that. I can, boy, I'll tell you what, I have had a man cold before. And and that's just a little inkling of what you women go through through childbirth, right? No, I'm just joking. I watched all three of my children be born, dude. And I'm just telling you, when Ashley was born, I won't go into all the guava cream cheese details I usually go into and stuff, but I'm just saying, when I saw her born, I'm just like, oh my goodness, I am so grateful. I am a man. (laughs) I am not worthy. And then when Matthew was born, it was just like, you know, he was like, bam, bam, he was out. Like, oh my goodness. And then Emily's born. I'm just like, whoo. And it's like... (laughs) Yeah, my whole desire for having a million children, I had mercy on my wife. I'm like, dude, I don't want And we would have had more if she wanted. But I'm just saying, man, there's pain. I'm not worthy. And if you have never watched, if you guys are not married or you're, you've never seen your wife or any of them give birth to a child, man, you should probably see that because you are not worthy. You will appreciate them a whole lot more. I promise you that. But he said to the woman, I'll surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you'll bring forth children. Your desi- but look at this. Emily and Skylar, look at me. Look at me, Skylar, right there. Real quick, I know you're tired, man. I'm almost done right here. Right, look at this. Emily, you're, this is to the woman. Skylar, I don't want you to miss this, bro. This is the word of God. So you believe it's true? Okay. It says, Emily's desire shall be contrary to Skylar's. <laughs> What's the likelihood of that? Do you think, Skylar, she's going to have desires contrary to yours? Yes, that's what the word... How many of you men can testify who are married that your wife has desires contrary to yours? <laughs> Julia's looking, don't you raise your hand, Sean. So I was like, I ain't that stupid to raise my hand. <laughs> Trent's back there saying, yeah, we're over it. We have no facades anymore. That's where we're at. He said that's part of the curse. Woman, you're going to want your way, but I'm putting him in charge. So... Again, why would God do this? Because he wants you to be miserable? No, because it's gonna, it, without him, it dies. If she's always doing what she wants and he's always doing what he wants and they're always fighting, the marriage dies. Is there any hope? Yes, to be born again. And both believers, the husband, the wife, both grow in love with Jesus Christ. And when you have that conflict, you say, God, John goes, what, God, what do you want me to do? 
And, and Sean's like, well, that isn't what I was thinking, God. And Julie's like, what do you want me to do, God? And well, that wasn't what I was thinking either. But guess what? Is God going to give them two different answers? Is God going to give Emily and Skylar two different answers if they both go to him over something they disagree on? No, he's going to give them the same answer. And they have to have the guts to let each other know what that answer is and to carry it out. And most of the time it goes against both of our desires. But guess what? When you do it God's way, it doesn't die. And that's what he said, man, your desires can be contrary to your husband, but he's going to rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife. He's not saying don't listen to your wife. But he's saying because you listened to your wife when she told you to do something against God. In other words, you were more scared of your wife, you big wuss, than you were me. <laughs> How many of y'all are scared of your wife sometimes? I, don't know. I saw your pinkies up a minute ago. It is. Sometimes it's like, oh, dude, really? Why can't we just, uh, come on. <laughs> it's a hard thing to be a man. It's a hard thing to go against and, 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 to, and to speak the truth that God's given you. So man, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, uh, command you not to, you shall not eat of it. This is what I said, you shall not eat of it. No ifs, ands, or buts. I don't care if you were just dipping chips in it. That don't matter. You don't eat it. I don't care what you're going to, I don't care if you put 20 good things in it. You don't eat off the tree. I told you not to eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. That ground now is going to die, and it's going to keep dying. And how many of you know our ground is dead and not producing the kind of nutritious food that we need? The world knows it. The, world, the earth is dying. The seas are dying. Everything's dying. And yes, you're like, well, that's such a sorry thing to... No, we're supposed to see it's dying. And if you see it's dying, get out of the dying boat and go jump in the lifeboat. Go jump in his boat that's living. And as this boat of the world sinks, your boat floats and we do it in heaven forever. Amen? That's what we do. This world's dying. You can go save the manatees and go save the turtles and go save the world. And I'm not saying if God's giving you that as a ministry, but you're not going to save this earth. God's destroying it. The things that last forever is the word of God and the souls of men. Lead them to Christ with the gospel. He said, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground because you in pain, you'll eat of, all, of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. And out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. Originally, Adam was supposed to be immortal. What does he say is going to happen right now? Look at this. Out of the ground you were taken, I breathed life into you, and you were supposed to live forever. But look what he says now. For now you are what? You're dust, and, and, and to dust you are what? You're going to die. I wasn't joking when I said, when you eat off this tree, you are going to die. That's the consequence. Everything died because of Adam's sin. His nature. And in fact, in Genesis 5, and I'll end here when I bring you some good news here. But in Genesis chapter 5, if you read that, it says Adam and Eve were made in God's image, but their offspring were made in their image, which means they have the nature to sin. Hey, does Keone ever sin? 
Yeah, you're going through a seven-year-old period right now, which is part of, it's part of growth. It's good. Did you, did you and JJ have to teach him how to sin? Did you sit down with them and say, okay, now you're going to come time, and here's comes to Now, I want, I'm going to show you how to lie good. Okay, there's bad liars good. I'm going to show you how to lie good. Did you teach him? I'm going to teach you how to be selfish. I'm going to teach you how to irritate your sister and make her scream. Did you teach him how to do that? And is he good at it? Oh, my goodness, he's an expert. He knows exactly in a matter of seconds how to do something to get Alana to just scream at the top of her lungs and pierce your eardrums if you're a grandparent or parent, maybe. Who taught him to do that? Nobody. It's natural equipment. We come into the world. And all of those things are sin, and they lead to death. But God says you get born again. And when you're born again, now you have life, but you have to choose to live in that life because death is still available to you. You're never going to die and go to hell. You're saved. But how you dig the ride while you're here is going to be totally up to you, whether you live in the death camp or the life camp. And somehow, as whacked individuals, we think we can live in both. And we can't. Stuff dies. The man called his name of his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. That was out of faith because she hadn't had a baby yet. He said, well, I guess we're here and you're going to suffer while you have babies, but you're going to be the mother of all living because he promised that he's going to fill the word, go, go fruit, be fruitful, multiply. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife. Oh, look at this, Abby. This might be your next line. All right. The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments. Didn't they already make garments? They already made garments. said, look, God, we've got fig leaves with thorns. Isn't that good enough? We've covered our sin. We're good. God said, no, no. I'm going to kill an innocent animal. And while the warmth and the blood is still on the skins, I'm going to make you wear it. And I'm going to make you know that one day there's going to have to be a perfect life that is going to die to pay for your sins. This is another picture of Christ. He made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and he clothed them. It was a picture of what Christ would do. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and knowing evil. Now, let us reach out his hand and take, oh, lest, lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life. What if, what if man started eating off the tree of life? Now he's going to live forever. Bob, how old are you? How old? 64, has 64 years taken its toll on your body? Yeah, do you want to be in that body forever? No. What part of the, your body do you want to take into eternity? Yeah, any of this body? I don't want any of this body. Can, can you imagine another 64 years of what would, no. And so he protected man and said, you're not going to eat of this tree of life again until you get to heaven. That, he didn't say that here, but that's what we see in Revelation. And he said, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat, and he live forever. You can't die forever. That's, he doesn't want you to live forever in something, a world and a body that's dying. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken with the curse. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And we'll get to Romans next week. But he put, that, he put the angel there to guard from the tree of life. And you're not going to eat from the tree of life 
until Christ comes. And that's what Paul's going to tell us in Romans next week if you come back for that. But that's where we get it. But he wanted to kick man, he kicked man out so we would not live in this body of death, in this world of death. Anything we do in this world is death, and that's horrible. But because of Christ, now we can have life, and we can have life more abundantly, and we can have eternal life. You guys are either saved or you're not saved. And that's something you've got to figure out. If you're not saved, if you've never given your life to Christ and you don't know you're going to heaven when you die, man, I'm offering it. To, I'm telling you, he, he's offering it to you. All you've got to do is surrender all you know about yourself to all you know about him. And he gives you this eternal life. But I know most of you have a testimony and you are saved. And my encouragement is to live in life. Don't live in death. Don't even put your big toe in death. Don't love anything of this world. Ask the Holy Spirit to constantly bring conviction to you when you're there and encouragement when you're not. Live in life. Everything of this world is going away. It's dying. He's it's not where he wants you to be. Let's pray. Father, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And um, Father, we're supposed to be in Romans, but you talk about Adam, how Adam brought us death. He brought the whole world death. And we'll talk more about that next week. But Christ brought us life. Father, thank you for giving us pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. Thank you for the fact that Christ would go to the cross and on the cross where Satan think, thought he would win, that Christ would crush his head and make him the ultimate loser. Thank you, Father, that you pictured Christ as that animal, that, that innocent animal that died to cover our sins. And he was the innocent God that died to cover our sins. Father, I pray if there's somebody here that, that believes that and has never put their faith and trust in it today, they would. Father, I pray that for all of us that have, I pray we would live like we do. Father, protect us from this world. You say don't love the world or anything in it. That's everything this world, this Adam's world that's dying has to offer. Help us, Father, to live in you. Because our identity is now in you. And everything we do should represent you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.